Hello, and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Thanks for joining me for the 27th installment of the 100 Mass Men series, where I interview men from all walks of life about what masculinity means to them and interacting with women in 2020. Mass Man number 27 is Mr. Transparency. He gets pretty transparent about his intentions very quickly on just how he navigates around relationships, his own expectations, and you know, just about how that could be different from your expectations. And I think that's a really interesting thing to note. If you could just tell me a little bit about your childhood, like, you know, where were you brought up and what was your family household like? Sure. So I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba in 1987. My mother is French Canadian, so she's from Quebec originally. My father is from St. Vincent, so although English is his only language, it's still a broken English. <laughs> okay. Um, I was put into a full French school growing up, so French was my primary language as a child. Um, that experience was interesting in the sense that I felt like I was the outcast growing up in a Sure. So I was French born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba in 1987. My mother is French-Canadian, so she is from Quebec originally. My father is from St. Vincent, so although English is his only language, it's still a broken English. Um, I was put into a full French school growing up, so French was my primary language as a child. Um, that experience was interesting in the sense that I felt like I was the outcast growing up in a predominantly French, Caucasian environment and being the visible minority within a majority of my friend groups. I, um, yeah, I, I didn't have any relatives on my father's side, so... All what? of my cousins, Did you have any siblings? Um, it's just and you. aunts and oh, uncles, they were all Caucasian as well. Um, my father's parents had both passed away by the time he was nine, so I had no grandparents on my father's side. And then my grandparents on my mother's side, they both passed away a year apart, both very close to my birthday, which happens to be 9-11, and uh, both from cancer as well. Um, but yeah, you have to be more specific. What are you trying to get from this childhood, this dark, dark time? Oh, I guess I should have said that. So I'm one of seven kids that I know of. So I grew up with um, my three siblings from my mother, which um, one is a year and a half older than me. That's my sister. I have one that okay, so is what was your relationship four years younger than me. That's my brother. And then a 12-year gap between me and my youngest sister. But we also grew up with my older half-brother, who is seven years older than I am. And he was from a different mother. And then around the age of like 22 or 23, I had discovered that my father had actually been married um, years before meeting my mother for about six or seven years and had two kids with that woman as well. So yeah, I'm one of seven that I know of because there could be more baby mamas that we just haven't discovered yet. 
So the older half-sibling, we were actually really close um, on and off because he had his own dealings where he kind of disappeared for approximately seven years of our lives, no communication whatsoever. Um, then we reconnected and then we were close, but then me and him also had a falling out a couple of years ago, just over just um, hanging in the same circles, growing apart. I think because we started um trying to get into business together and things like that that's kind of where things kind of got toxic because i was more in the comedy lane and he was more in the music lane but when we started to merge the two i think that's when our our alpha egos started to clash a bit um and then my older siblings that i had just met like uh, a handful of years ago they are probably a decade now but when i had first met them i didn't really know how to um, incorporate them into my life because they were already at that stage. They're probably close to 50 now. Um, they are, at that point were in their early 40s. Okay. So already it sounds like you had a pretty their significant others, their children, their family, life, you know, just all different and parts and you're not sure they about wanted to retire with or whatever. So could be more of for them, they were, I think, at a point where they were re ready to embrace us and have the for, sibling you know, chemistry that they never really grew up family. with. As opposed to me, where I was still trying to find myself, so and still I am, still trying to find myself. So I'm not really that close to them. I would say that my older sister, because she's the only one who's also here in Ontario that I have a, a strong connection with, um, and my other siblings. I mean, it's all love, but it's not like a, a day to day thing where I connect with them. And then I eventually had her go, a ghostwriter who came and uh, pieced it together and, and finalized it and so on. But the goal of the book was really just to get to know her as a human as opposed to just this entity of this, you know, I love So I never, I guess growing up, because my mother was such a, she's very wholesome. Last year I wrote a book with her entitled, um, well, it's not going to be very anonymous if I start going off on books, but, um, essentially the premise of the book was just trying to get to know my mother on a more personal level. So essentially what we did is, um, went back and forth correspondence for about six months time. And then I eventually hired a ghostwriter who came in and kind of pieced it together and, and finalized it and so on. But, the goal of the book was really just to get to know her as a human as opposed to just this entity of this, you know, I love my mother, but you don't really know much about that individual. So um, she was very wholesome where she grew up in a very Roman Catholic household. She hadn't lost her virginity until she was 30 to my father, who was the only man she had ever been with. So seeing that, made it a bit more of a nuclear family so even though my my father brought in his you know demons i think our family speaking directly to uh, my mother and her children that was his do-over so we weren't really privy to a lot of the the dysfunction until our later years so for me i felt like i was very loved growing up i felt as though um, i was very supported growing up it wasn't yes, until my that, later that years where I think when my older half-brother kind of came back in that I really started to feel dysfunction um, because he brought in this element of, you know, resentment and he felt a bit more of an outcast than our entire family because although my mother treated him as if he was her own, I still feel like he had resentments towards his relationship with my father 
and um yeah so that that kind of slowly i think started to cause rifts between our family that up until my mid-20s i had never seen so um i think it it almost made it more challenging because it wasn't something that i was accustomed to so you're developing this new view of your family after believing something for so long and then meeting those other half siblings the one thing that came from that that i i still haven't really um been able to properly address to my father was is that although he was such a great father to us him being such a terrible father to his other children makes it a very difficult thing to navigate because how do you love someone where you know as a just as a man that they're flawed in that way right where i can love you as a father but i can't respect you as a man because it's not like he left that woman that he had children with and was still in touch with his children he essentially abandoned them altogether and even still now where they're at an age where they want to mend that relationship they want to heal from whatever you know transgressions they had he isn't open to it and that's kind of jarring for me just to be able to say well how do i love someone who doesn't love all their kids and is there one day something that i can do that would make him feel the same about me if that makes sense so yeah that's kind of i think more more so later on i felt as if there was a, like a almost like a, a blanket or a sheet um, or a curtain that was pulled back which made me feel like is there such thing as a nuclear family is there such thing as like a very wholesome or holistic family so it's not that i don't want to start a family because i'm 33 now so you think that you know it would be something that would be in my my direct line of sight but i think I don't know that I would have a traditional family um, in the sense of just, you know, wife, kids, white picket fence. I don't know if that's something that's outlined for me. I do believe that your father from a father um, figure, which you would deem as appropriate and did all the right things. And then as a man, he's not has the so same ideals as you and that you're willing to make compromises with. Why are two different things? Whereas like your mom, you actually wanted to know her as herself. Right. Yeah, I'm not opposed to the idea of uh, marriage or starting a family, but um, I, th I think something needs to jump out at me in order for me to really try to pursue that or just better myself to get to a point where I feel comfortable enough to take on that responsibility. It's again going back to that same premise where when I look objectively in terms of how he treated me and my siblings through my mother he was you know um essentially well let's not get it twisted i definitely want to know my father's story but him being the uh the west indian that he is it's very difficult to get those tales out of him he's kind of um like a, a vhs you put in that tape you're going to hear the same things over and over again it's it's very hard to get new new information out of him um but where i make that distinction between him being a man and a father is that um it's again going back to that same premise where when i look objectively in terms of how he treated me and my siblings through my mother he was you know 
um, essentially mm-hmm. a stay-at-home father, like so he was he running could make away from something throughout and then, the day. You know, not um, being accountable for his actions. That's kind of um, pretty cowardly. He was you know, would attend as many events that yeah. we, he could so in terms of like our sporting events or extracurricular activities and stuff like that. So he was very involved in being a good father to us, but seeing him interact with his previous children is what discourages my idea that he is a great man if that makes sense yeah we were the do-over Uh, I feel like that's a very difficult yeah, thing right. to um, answer because it's there's a lot of elements. I feel like what would make a great man might also make a great woman. But if I had to just lay out some qualities that would make for a great man, uh, integrity, honesty, um, do you think you're on the way to that? I mean, only in the last few years have I really kind of sat with myself to try to isolate. Yeah, I don't know. What would make a great man? Someone who is considerate, someone who is vulnerable, someone who is transparent, someone who is um, attempting to be a ambitious. And um, I guess again, it would come back to what does that look like? Someone who is just uh, mindful of others. I think I'm just kind of constantly trying to do the work to. I mean, only in the last few years have I really kind of sat with myself to try to isolate things that maybe I don't like in myself that I've maybe been conditioned to do or that I just feel like are flaws that could constantly be improved. So um, I do think that I'm actively attempting to be a better man. Um, I guess, again, it it would come back to what does that look like? I would love to hear uh, what a good man look like. I think I'm just kind of constantly trying to do the work to just better myself in all fields of life, whether that be... Um, men treated women pretty badly, with someone but else, it was also just in terms the way that society career, accepted it as, in terms of, you know, no one's really going to um, just talk about know, relationships We didn't do that 10 years ago. You know, we didn't have certain types of representation on TV or other people's books lives, or anything like that um, that can kind of educate us. So I would be pretty so forgiving about that. Upward um, but in the now and how kids are raised these days, what changes have you made out of your own toxic behaviors that you kind of focused on over the last couple of years? Sure. I mean, and also just to clarify, whenever I use the word toxic, I, I think I do it more so in a, in a playful way in that I associate a lot of words that have subjective meanings to myself, like the words ratchet, like the words um, demon, where, I mean, you can have an idea as to what those words mean. There isn't really a defined definition, or at least not in the context that we use it. So. When I say stuff like, oh, you know, I'm toxic, I don't think that I embody the word toxicity. To sure. I mean, form. and also just to clarify, whenever I use the word toxic, I, I think I do it more so in a, in a playful way in that I associate a lot of words that have 
subjective meanings to myself, like the words ratchet, like the words um, demon, where, I mean, you can have an idea as to what those words mean, but there isn't really a defined definition, or at least not in the context that we use it. So when I say stuff like, oh, you know, I'm toxic, I don't think that I embody the word toxicity to its full form, but things that I do to help better the relationships, especially with, um, with partners that I'm intimate with is that, um, something that I may not have been so forthcoming with in my early twenties would have just been all around transparency. I've been single for the last seven years of my life. And I think that a big portion of that is just due to in my own mission for self discovery and things like that. I don't feel it's just knowing how much energy and time and devotion goes into a relationship to selfishly immerse myself into someone else's life when I don't know what my trajectory is in my personal life. So in being more transparent, I'll flat out tell someone if I meet them, listen, I see there being um, some chemistry here um, physically, but outside of that, I, I don't really see much of a, a future there. And then I'm also, you know, not emotionally available enough to, I think, or I mean, I think I'm one of the rare women that do the same thing where I'll be pretty transparent again, about like, Hey, this is just, even if you're that kind of transparent, thing, people will still develop feelings. Or so I'll say, Hey, this is, I just try I to steer more. clear from things like ghosting. And then I would like, like them to communicate with me if we're on the same page. Because I just don't want to be confused. And all but the I terms, think all the things. people crave being confused. I think people like so, the yeah, I think drama that's of like, probably they, the, the biggest thing that I've tried to work on is just that open communication in terms of what my intentions are. Because tell somebody hey like are, being fully transparent um, here i want to be single kind of sets the tone for, for just my own self-interest like i don't think i can person. accommodate having another partner here when i don't know myself you know i'm being pretty um clear about that and they still persist to maintain a relationship with you will you cut them out yes and i'll give you an example so um i was seeing someone I wasn't, I, it hadn't inspired because I was leaving the city. And they were still very adamant of the possibility that there would be a long distance or that there would be, um, you know, uh, maintaining a friendship and then seeing if something else can develop itself. Granted, they were younger than I was. So um, I think that. Yes. And I'll give you an example. So. Um, I was seeing someone and I knew I wasn't, it had an expiry date because I was leaving the city and they were still very adamant of the possibility that there be a long distance or that there be, um, you know, uh, the maintaining friendship and then seeing if something else can develop and so on and so forth. Granted, they were younger than I was. So, um, I, I think that maturity wasn't there yet for them to understand what I was saying. And I actually had to have a female friend check me in terms of my transparency and my, my messaging this person, because when I was in the same city as this person, I had told them in person, um, cause they had actually, it was the first time a woman ever purchased flowers for me and they essentially had asked me out, um, 
in more so the 2020 way of what are we um so within that um conversation i i think i was maybe less forthcoming than i should have been just kind of saying that listen i mean i came into this and i told you that it was just for you know the time being and that it was just for fun i am open to being friends but i i'm really not looking to have this develop into anything more than what it currently is and um i think they kind of stuck around just under the impression that there was still that hope and that potential that it could develop in something else and people also only want what they can have so i think just the the playing hard to get made it a bit more enticing for them as opposed to deterring them so once i had actually moved they had made a uh, a trip to come and see me in the city that i was in and i was just like no i'm probably not gonna have the time and so on and so forth and then a friend told me like listen you have to flat out send them a message that says i have boundaries this is no longer a thing and really set out the expectation that this is not anything more than what it was and that i'm not interested in pursuing a romantic relationship yeah i think honestly you. that's so like the best gift you can give them that, that was a, a bit of a learning um, experience for me to know I've that even though you think guess, that you're being a bit more transparent so many times that where you really have to i would ask like where are we what are we doing as and there's no clarity there's like oh we'll see where it goes as possible and, and i'm like no we're not um, seeing where this goes like make your yeah, decision because if you don't want this then it step felt out like the, okay i might hurt this person get out of the way this, you know like someone else is, can come up now it's more hurtful so you're you're taking up space the, and i think a lot of the idea that kind of more still fragile men just want that definitive to closure. hold space in multiple places you know when you're just like gonna put a reservation in multiple restaurants and you're like i don't know we'll decide when the time comes and then you're going to say no to all these and then, you know, decide on one. That is so annoying coming from a restaurant space, like every cancellation that we'll get from multiple places. And why do you think, I mean, were you one of those guys before where you had this like fear where you're just like, no, I, I just got to like maintain my spot just in case kind of thing. Right. And this is a conversation that's been happening a lot around the about maintaining the roster. Um, but I, I've never considered myself a player because I don't like to play games, but I do consider myself to be promiscuous. And one thing that I've been very candid with over the last few years is my addiction to online dating applications, which I know we've seen like social listen i'm still in constant like healing and growth mode i still think that i am to this day maybe not so much keeping people in in place um and this is a conversation that's been happening a lot around me lately about maintaining a roster um but i i've never considered myself a player because i don't like to play games but i do consider myself to be promiscuous and one thing that i've been very candid with over the last few years is my addiction to online dating applications which i know we've seen things like social dilemma on netflix where they kind of um graze the surface of um the the dopamine and the validation that you get from social media but when you think about online dating it's essentially an extension of that addiction to social media but the the difference is you're getting immediate 
validation from people that you also deem attractive that are swiping onto your page and affirming that, okay, you've still got it. So it's almost the same thing as um, maintaining a, a bunch of different people who you're kind of stringing along just as an in case. The only difference is, is that these are people that you've never met that you're like, oh, I want to know if this person finds me attractive just to get that validation. So although I still have dating apps that I, I've kind of weaned off of, why do they need to be um, random strangers and attractive women? Something that I that gives you I that have validation. A hard time like, why can't your friends, with your family, and everyone else tell you that so you readily are great? Available, especially during a lockdown where you may not necessarily be able to um, meet people out in public and just organically create and develop relationships. It's a lot easier to just go on a device. Pull up an application, create a profile, try to put your best foot forward and have a bunch of people say, yes, you are enough. And in that environment, being the only family of color, it didn't, especially in like the early 90s. And you would think that that would be enough, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to be. And I think it's because... And in my kind of reflection, I've, I've come to realize that I think this addiction stemmed from my younger years where um, I mentioned I went to an all-white French school tucked away in the boonies. Um, and in that environment, being the only family of color, it didn't, especially in like the early 90s, you're not you know, fetishized that, even at that point. You're ostracized where you're going to these parties and socializing with people that you may deem attractive um, for lack of better options because it's what you see is what you get. And although you um, you want to maybe engage with these people or whatever else, they, they constantly put up that barrier of you are different this won't work because you are different and there's that that you're constantly that stigma that you're constantly battling so in the boom of the internet when um you know a dial-up was introduced to me when i was maybe in seventh or eighth grade so right around the same time as hormones kicking in um it made it a lot easier of an escape to seek the validation that i wasn't getting in real life to get it online so like, things like MSN and AOL and Yahoo now. and then yeah. Nexopia and Face Party and Hot or Not and then, um, you know, Facebook and then Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and now Tinder, Bumble, Hinge. It, I feel like it's just kind of evolved, but that same insecurity is still there where you're seeking validation from people that um, you, you, there's not a... There's not a fear. There's no fear of rejection because when it's online, they don't swipe you left. It's not like, imagine if all these dating apps showed you all the people that said no. It'd be a completely different reaction that you would get. And I don't, but the reality is you're only ever seeing the people that swipe right. So by doing that, it's constantly just showing you 
Yes, you are not. I think yes, that's interesting because imagine if, I mean, if you one of went my on other to Tinder jobs, and it was just like I used to be a bartender. This motherfucker said no. And I see a lot this of motherfucker first said dates no. Happen. This motherfucker said no. And you would eventually just you know, feel so beaten or maybe down. Not that you even might a first date, just the guy just like approaching on, a girl unless to bar you were kind just of thing, right? Grappling on and just for that one moment, say yes, I am you know, enough. You have to shoot your shot, and you may get rejected, right? And then that can contribute to your feelings of not being enough for whatever it is. Early conditioning online, you kind of escape that because you have a multitude of choice. And what I really hate about Bumble, unfortunately, even feminist app that i was able to get it online and just kind of i've noticed over time i mean a lot of guys just told me this they just swipe right on all of them because they won't know the only people that can respond are the women anyway so you might as well just swipe right on all of them and then whoever is interested back in you, you know, is a, an automatic affirmative right and that's kind of like making it making the whole situation easier and that's why i'm like pretty upset that these apps exist because again as so many other patriarchal things were made, was made for men in benefit of men. You know, oh, now they don't have to deal with rejection anymore. They're like only the ones that like them back are going to be responding. Like that is such a one-sided perspective that you're now stuck in. And that's exactly the same context of like porn, you know? Well, there's also an app called Swiperino where you can actually, it, it essentially will swipe on your behalf. And just oh jeez! Swipe everyone right. Honestly. Great. I don't know if it's exactly. Honest, yeah. There's, there's an extension or an APK, if you will, that's called Swiperino that can actually do mass swiping. So we came from the same generation where being outside, being being an outsider in like a mainly white neighborhood, you know, you're outcast. You want to fit in, but you know you don't, and you know having those feelings of being left out. You know, fast track well, to there's 2020. Also an app called Swiperino, I would say we're like the hot people. You can actually, because I would like to call us like will swipe ethnic light. You know, like we're light skinned, but we've got some like right color on these apps. You know? I don't know if it's for and all apps, but I know for sure for Tinder. It's finally, there's, it's, there's it's, an extension. I, I don't know. It's up to you in terms of like if you're fetishized or not. But that can actually just do you? Do why do you swiping. still feel insecure? Because aren't you in the kind of upper hand at this point? Appearance-wise? Yeah, the the conversation of colorism is a very interesting one because I'd be crazy to deny that there is a privilege in 2020 to be lighter-skinned, regardless of all the means. I think what it is is um, there has to be, you have to make the difference between online confidence and real life confidence because, like you said, having to approach someone in real life and have that rejection there's still even though you've received right so i mean yeah the the conversation of colorism is a very interesting one because i'd be crazy to deny that there is a privilege in 2020 to be lighter skinned um regardless of all the memes and what the memes tell you i think what it is is um there yes, has to be you have to make the difference I, between I online confidence and real life confidence because like you said having to approach and, someone uh, in real you know, life and have that rejection there's still or whatever the case is, so even though you've received x amount of valid- validation online and um, close friends of yours or, you know, peers of yours will reinforce, reinforce and say like, oh, you're attractive and so on and so forth. Like if I really looked at my, um, aesthetic resume, yes, I'd be crazy to admit that I, I check off a few boxes. I'm over six feet. I have a fair complexion. I have a decent jawline and, um, you know, I'm not, 
morbidly obese or extremely underweight or whatever the case is. So I can navigate and I think statistically if I was to approach um, a, a strange woman on the street or whatever that I would, my statistics might be a little bit higher than um, someone who doesn't fit my um, physical aesthetic. But the problem lies in a deeper rooted insecurity in that I still carry the um, rejection from when I was younger. Like I still have memories of being in eighth grade, 13 years old, telling a friend that I like this girl and her coming up to me after hearing to the grapevine that I was into her and saying, you know, I could never like you because you're different. Now, of course, that speaks to um, a, a, a racial, um, uh, I guess, preference that she had at that time. And I mean, it's, it's something that you carry on or even where you're so malleable at that age that I have rarely ever approached someone in person, like ever. And in the times that I have, I felt like I was more attached to those people because it felt like it was a bigger accomplishment than had I just met somebody online because I've been on quite a few dates, like a lot of dates. Um, okay, from so it's, I think it's more like the digital age, like you were brought up in the digital DMs, age, so meeting people in real life, and um, that pressure is to take very a step different further, for you. Someone I've met in person, but only had the confidence to approach them in a romantic way online. So I think that even though, um, yeah. Seeing how successful I was, know that the odds might be a little bit um, in my favor in terms of being able to approach someone in person. Still, very rarely do I ever actually do it. Whatever thing was playing through the numbers game until you found somebody who's interested, but that rejection was through a screen, so you didn't feel it as much. So then now it's the same thing. I think it's being able to see the correlation of. I came up in the in the era prior to the internet where you'd have to run up on a girl at a school dance and get her email or her house phone number, right? And seeing how unsuccessful I was with that, it that morphed and evolved into that same insecurity in person. But when I would go online as that same kid with the MSN and whatever, it was playing through the numbers game until you found somebody who was interested, but that rejection was through a screen. So you didn't feel it as much. So then now it's the same thing where like, if you get that dopamine from getting a match from somebody online, I think it's online, so different for women because um, and being able to meet somebody get online in and then, um, relationships, you know, meeting up with them in person. You already to know going into that right? date that, so, she, that person is like, interested so many in you like, enough oh, that they've maintained a conversation and, and you'd be like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really that into me. It wasn't that attractive But over time, that, he grew to know um, me, right? And then that's the kind of where that companionship develops. Well, and that's why I don't think it works, at least personally for me. Thinks I'm cute because I can't connect as opposed with people to meeting it's somebody so purely, in person, um, appearance rejection and feeling like, wow, there was nothing about me that super interesting that um you're so reliant on that when you don't need to be so um i forgot what i was going to ask you but i was going to ask you something in terms of hmm, forgot what i was going to say let me think about it i wanted to eventually get into the concept of 
gift giving. What would you say? Did you ever try that test on love languages? Um, I think I may have a long time ago. If I could tell you what my love language was, I believe, again, even that insecurity, I think my love language uh, that I enjoy receiving is um, words of affirmation. Um, and how I show my love is through gift giving. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of that person where I'm weird with compliments, but low-key, I'm into them. And um, I like to do things for people. So, um, I think I may have a long time ago, if I had to tell you what my la- love language was, I believe, again, feeding into that insecurity, I think my love language uh, that I enjoy receiving is um, words of affirmation. Um, and how I show my love is through gift giving. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of that person where I'm weird with compliments but low key I'm into them and um, I like to do things for people so um, even as an example last year a friend for his birthday um, his birthday wasn't until October we're through three weeks apart and I started planning his birthday from February getting this picture made up of something very specific and then getting the right frame for it to make sure that it um it fit the aesthetic and then he was also moving into a new place so it seemed like a good like welcome uh welcoming gift at, at the same time as a birthday gift or whatever and you know even people that like his girlfriend and her parents and whatever they were like wow this is a very thoughtful gift so for me i i really like to put thought into i don't really subscribe to holidays all that much like if if you are under the age of eight i will still buy you a christmas gift but um, i think gifts are one outside of, the, of that like there's like the lowest if I percentage think of, of people something that i that want to give to someone or if i stumble gifts, on an item that i, I feel like somebody that could I did, use i'll just go and get it I off the strength it's not really something where i feel the need thing. to have to wait I think that's until more of a cultural aspect their birthday of me or a holiday in order to be able to celebrate them um, so love language um, i would say i will celebrate but Especially if the, the person I'm with is women, really keen on if you were to give them to platonic um, women or you know whatever your relationship is, me, even myself, to, to men, it's not like I look forward to. Oh my god, it's my birthday. Let me celebrate for a month. Like that's never depending on how close your relationship thing. is or your understanding of them. Um. Well, I don't think I've ever ever received any pushback from giving a gift to someone, but I do think that some are a little bit more. They expect it slightly more than others. Um, where, again, if, if I'm getting someone a gift outside of the confines of holidays, um, typically, like it, it's, it doesn't matter how long I've seen that person, known that person, um, and it doesn't matter how big or small. If it's something that I feel like I am compelled to do at that moment, to give you an example, it was. Um, well, I don't think I've ever, ever received any pushback from giving a gift to someone, but I do think that some are a little bit more, they expect it slightly more than others. Um, where again, if, if I'm getting someone a gift outside of the confines of holidays, um, typically like it, it's, it doesn't matter how long I've seen that person or known that person um and it doesn't matter how big or small if it's something that i feel like i am compelled to do at that moment to give you an example there was someone i had been seeing for 
matter of weeks. Like I'm talking like maybe two weeks, hadn't even been intimate. Um, and they had mentioned that they were looking for a perfume that was out of stock and um, was discontinued. And I scoured the internet and I bought the perfume and I put a little spritz on myself so that the next time the person saw me that they would identify the smell right away. And, um, and that was that. So like it's, it wasn't like I, it was a birthday. It wasn't like it was, you know, something that they expected or wanted. And I think that that's why I was prone to doing it. So I don't really, but then there are some people who I find that they're like, Oh, well we've been seeing each other for this much time and I haven't gotten a gift yet. Or it's this holiday coming up. Like it's almost expected at that. You can almost feel that energy from them that they expect something from at that time so yeah i don't know i feel like people receive gifts in, in different ways or, and there's different expectations for it but even in just being on these public apps where people are talking about the expectations for it and calling men cheap um for not wanting to do above and beyond and the the conversation of like should you pay for um meals and this and that and i think for me my upbringing is that i've always been the person where i never even think twice about paying for a dinner with someone if i'm taking someone out whether they've asked me or if I've, I've asked them i think maybe in my life outside of somebody paying for my meal for for my birthday i think it's interesting you're talking I've about expectations like the fact that there are expectations I've been on a gift with a woman and she's you know the whole point is um the gesture you know i that's just something I that i was kind of brought up on and just something in that like long-term I, committed relationships and you know, they'll be instinctually like just oh i asked do. my partner so it's not if, like you know, they wanted I, a glass of water and they said that, no there could be some people who like say how that that's, how oh, dare that's they just say no to me it's some like people say like did no, you expect it's, the you know, answer to be very, yes so that you can validate you know, yourself by doing the act that's you're following the patriarchy or whatever however you want to box it when it comes that's just something that i've been instilled in romantic holidays like valentine's day i used to love valentine's day but I loved it because I bought gifts for myself. And then when I happened to be in a romantic relationship with somebody during that time, they would get really weird with me because they're like, oh shit, like Amanda buys herself all these gifts. Like, do I have to also buy her these gifts? And then there's this whole expectation. And I think that is what I would appreciate in transparency. If someone just, you know, someone that I was dating just told me like, hey, this is making me feel weird then we can actually just talk about it and you realize like you just created all this in your head so i um, am of the belief that a majority of the reason why relationships don't work is because we aren't as open about our expectations in the beginning as we are in terms of a club promoter booking an artist so now imagine if every single person came to a relationship with an artist rider where the same way that if you're trying to book Wiz Khalifa, he might tell you that he needs a pound of weed, a couple pairs of underwear, and yellow M&Ms. So I am of the belief that a majority of the reason why relationships don't work is because we aren't as open about our expectations in the beginning as we are in terms of a club promoter booking an artist. So now imagine if every single person came to a relationship with an artist rider. 
where the same way that if you're trying to book Wiz Khalifa, he might tell you that he needs a pound of weed, a couple pairs of underwear, and yellow M&Ms. It's up to you as that person who's booking him to decide on whether or not that is a reasonable rider. And if you do, and if some of those things you have to compromise on because it's not typically what you do for artists, that's a choice that you make from the beginning before you book that act. So I think that if in relationships we do the same thing where you come in and say, listen, um, on my birthday, I require a threesome. I'm gonna have this idea if I, you know, sometimes I fart in my sleep and, you know, um, my mom's probably going to hate you regardless of how well you treat her. You can decide on whether or not you want to engage in that relationship from the onset. But I feel like that's a conversation that ends up happening later on in life after everyone's kind of had their their fallout from, you know, and just speaking in terms of like a heterosexual relationship. If I am a man who's been watching these programs on TV and listening to these songs um, since I was a child and whatever, I'm going to have this idea of what it means to be a boyfriend and what the expectation is of her as a girlfriend. Meanwhile, the other person that I'm engaging this relationship with has their own set of pre existing conditions that they're bringing into this relationship and you never really speak about what the dynamic is within I think your that's own relationship. interesting that you said like so you almost need permission to start asking those questions where if after you, take a photo you have with deemed some guy each other officially you and dating. For you, that's not when the those are kind of the questions you shouldn't be asking first. Before and like this relationship the questions that I think we're asking because you never had that right now conversation with dating apps is like very physically charged. You know, it's like issue. Once you know, you're now what's your favorite sex position or something like that? Like it's it's where now you can all about start throwing things in each other's face because rather than oh, like you're doing this you're and that's crazy, out of pocket. You know, when in like reality, what, what kind of crazy are you? And you don't find that out from, until it was you've now invested, decided that you guys are together, and are now emotionally attached. And then that makes it harder, right? And I almost don't have a problem with if it's just in those infantile stages of right. the relationship where you're just feeling each other out, seeing if there's a physical connection or seeing if there's, you know, um, click in terms of your sense of humor, your preferences, and so on and so forth, whatever. But it almost seems as if it's almost, um, speaking for myself in general, like relationships are almost prompted from a mistake in the sense that you might just be casual with that person but then there's either a fear of loss that comes into play where um, you think that that person might move on to someone else and then you try to just kind of give them that. And I almost don't have a problem with if it's just in those infantile stages of the relationship where you're just feeling each other out, seeing if there's a physical connection or seeing if there's, you know, um, you click in terms of your sense of humor, your preferences, so on and so forth, whatever. But it almost seems as if it's almost, um, speaking for myself in general, like relationships are almost prompted from a mistake in the sense that you might just be casual with that person, but then there's either a fear of loss that comes into play where um, you think that that person might move on to someone else and then you try to just kind of give them that um, reassurance of saying, oh no, let's make this official because I see something um, developing here. Um, or maybe you are you have a roster and then you've lost people on your roster so then you end up just keeping that one person closer to you because you know, you know that they'll be there. But um, so I think in, in the earlier stages of just getting to know someone, it's fine that the, the conversation is a bit more shallow. But I think that if you're going to enter that actual relationship and you're going to say, listen, we're going to add labels to this, 
really flush out what those labels mean to you. Because if you're just doing it for the sake of a Facebook yeah, update, I think a relationship we all need change to be a little bit more your, deliberate. Page, I think we've or just, just to be able to have somebody to post used on your to settling when you for go on like, trips, oh, this thing just happened. Oops, it's not we fell going into to, it. And you're not going to know we'll what's it out and see where it goes. End that kind relationship of like, if you haven't already set those so, boundaries and those parameters. So. I that's think so if lame. People like, why would you want to live your life like that when you can what they were actually get seeking from that want, other person, you know, and what they like, were willing to the offer to that other at this person, point, and no one thinks that highly easier for them to be themselves, I guess, that you can literally onset, speak to whoever you want. Like we said, just kind of, you know, having the shit hit the fan when when it does. Oh yeah, I love that. Right, and one of the things in that book is the difference between the previous generation to ours where they didn't have as many options so it made it a lot easier to be able to quote unquote settle down um, because you were meeting somebody within a two kilometer radius of where you lived and um, your responsibilities were also different and your priorities were um, no for sure um, and that's the other thing too there's a book Modern Romance um, right and one of the things in that book is the difference between the previous generation to ours where they didn't have as many options so it made it a lot easier to be able to quote unquote settle down um, because you were meeting somebody within a two kilometer radius of where you lived and um, your responsibilities were also a lot different and your priorities were um, the average age, let's say 40 years ago for women to embark in a relationship with their partner. They were on average 19 years old because the minute they turned 18, they wanted to get out of their parents' place. They just wanted to find somebody that they could start a family with. They wanted to take care of the house and that was that. And then for men, it was the average age was 21 because they wanted to, um, you know, once they found their career, choice or whatever they just needed somebody to start a family with and look after their house and do all the things that relationships um were good for or useful for in, in a practical sense um and because they adulted on their together they were able to create a stronger bond figuring things out things out together as opposed to now where the average age for women i think is something like 27 and for men is 29 and it's because we're now traveling so much and we all have access to the internet so we see what's out there and with dating apps you have uh, an ample amount of options where it makes it more challenging to be able to find that significant other because your standards are so much higher because you're so autonomous you do all the things on your own you can yeah for sure i think it's a lot harder to find but you have the access to it now right so you don't depend on anyone financially so it becomes this thing where like what are you bringing to the table that's going to enhance my life and i think interesting that you said like oh yeah there's you know a little bit opportunistic in the way of your thinking are you're just gonna get tired of that person this thing doesn't work out you can switch to the next and keep going as out you there, keep just searching waiting, around, um, but if you were going to so we're wait in a time now for where they that say that if you find your soulmate, your that connection will be you know, stronger than the previous generation. That means you have to be this type of person, um, but the and odds of actually in order to accept them at that time and that place, right? Slimmer. So I look at it like that in more of a personal pursuit for myself for that like perfect soulmate to arrive in my life when I'm ready for it, which you know I wouldn't know if I'm there yet at this time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I, I'm constantly in this state of, of growth and development. And I know 
um, just kind of looking over the years, like I'm not the same person I was five years ago, I'm not the same person I was ten years ago, two years, so on and so forth. So knowing that I'm constantly going to change in terms of what my preferences are, in terms of my habits, um, my friends group, and, and stuff like that, like because it's constantly evolving, I do have a difficult time really trying to let someone else in, knowing that I'm still under construction myself. So. It could be a selfish thing where, you know, some people say, well, no, it's built. Together. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like I said, I, I'm constantly in this state of, of growth and development. And I know um, just kind of looking over the years, like I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, 15 years, and so on and so forth. So knowing that I'm constantly going to change in terms of what my preferences are, in terms of my habits, um, even my friends group and, and stuff like that, like because it's constantly evolving i do have a difficult time really trying to let someone else in knowing that i'm still under construction myself so it could be a selfish thing where you know some people say well no let's build together and let's work on each other together but like there's there's a reason why you're seeing the divorce rate constantly go up there's a reason why um there's probably i don't know the stats but if I had to guess, there's probably way more single people now than there have ever been. And I think it's because um, we're constantly seeking something better and we're, we're not allowing ourselves to grow and become self-sufficient beings and we're welcoming people in. And there's something to be said about hurt people hurting people and um, someone looking to find a relationship in someone without having healed from that relationship they just got out of. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of in this weird purgatory where I've been single for almost a decade and I feel like it's, um, it's not that I don't want a partner, but I also just feel like, um, looking at the last 10 years, like had I entered a relationship with somebody would they have wanted this person that I am today? Because it's definitely not the same person that I was X amount of time ago. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to kind of navigate. Um, because if you were in a small town and you were a farmer, there's not really much in terms of your things that are going to change. You might switch a sports team every 10 years and like, you know, you might prefer, um, pork chops instead of steak. And then that's really like as, as vast as it gets, but like, you know, for me, moving different cities, changing friend groups, changing career paths, changing um, physical appearance in terms of, you know, um, being in better shape, not being in good shape, just those those small factors that just constantly and just habits as well. Like I stopped drinking two years ago. So like had I met someone three years ago, we dated for a year and then they didn't like the idea that I stopped drinking then what ends up happening in that relationship is become a rift in the relationship at that point. So I think that, yeah. um, I want to wrap up with a couple of rapid with fire my questions. Own, so I know you uh, said that you've been single for almost a decade allowed now. me to not be with so hard on myself for not having a compa companion, knowing that but even if I would have had one, relationship would they you. even still be around today? So, um, that kind of gives me peace of mind not that i'm tormented <laughs> yeah. and like up at night like why am i alone like i i find pleasure in other things and like uh i i, I get support from from other people in terms of family and stuff like that okay. so um but yeah no, it, i mean that's it's, good uh, it's good to know a lot of people time that we're living wouldn't in. be able to admit that um the next question for you is i, I finally remember cool. the last thing i wanted to ask you about with apps so you know that you kind of the only people that swipe back or respond to you you already know that they're 
attracted to you. So when you do meet them, is there an automatic expectation to hook up? No. So I like that question. No. The answer <laughs> um, yeah, like of, um, there's there's been situationships and entanglements, yeah, but never would somebody think that they were my girlfriend uh, in the last seven yeah, years of my life. Coincidental that you say that because I just entered a room on uh, this app that I just mentioned. Um, the, the title of the room was "If You Fly Her Out Is Sex Guaranteed," and then I went and said, "It's never guaranteed because the reality is you may have that expectation, you may have that want." So I like that question. The answer is always no for me because of. Um, so consent <laughs> the reality is is that and and that's fun it's well it's not funny that you say it, but uh it's coincidental that you say that because i just entered a room on uh this app that i shan't mention um but the the title of the room was if you fly her out is sex guaranteed and then i went and said it's never guaranteed because the reality is you may have that expectation you may have that want but unless all systems are go then it's never something that is guaranteed so when i meet someone on a dating app and i've met a plethora of humans on a dating app um never once did i think to myself i have to have sex with this person i may really want to have sex with that person but i never felt the need to push and i also feel like if you don't want i love that because you know my body my rules but you know some people get very yeah i've had i've had dates that um we have picked up on the first date yeah okay three more questions for you and then i've had some where i became friends with them afterwards and i've had somewhere um you know we we would date without any intimacy for a while and then it either fizzled out or turned into something else or whatever but like no there's there's maybe sometimes a hope of sex but never an expectation or 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 that um guarantee of it and the same goes for me my body my rules as well because there's some ladies out there who are pretty aggressive so I actually wrote a blog for different types of fuckboys. So um, it depends on what type of fuckboy that we're talking about because there are some fuckboys that I believe who are unintentional fuckboys where it could be that they are um, uh, very insecure. So then they end up doing things like ghosting or curving for lack of the confidence to just close the situation off which may sound like uh an excuse but i know some men who are just so fearful of confrontation that they don't necessarily know how to end a situation um but if we're talking about like the stereotypical alpha fuckboy who essentially is you know navigating the world looking to harm someone i think some of the uh, more common traits of that style of fuckboy is gaslighting, that manipulation of just um, coercing someone into believing that they're the crazy one. Um, that, And again, this is where I, I draw the line in terms of being promiscuous and a player is that if you are a fuckboy, quote unquote, 
you are a player because you are engaging in a game of just seeing if you can like essentially just trying to get as many notches as you can or whatever the case is as opposed to uh being promiscuous where you enjoy because for me speaking personally i enjoy the initial chemistry i get with someone i feel like that's something that's not spoken about enough is that um the long-lasting effects of a relationship can have great um advantages but there is also something to be said and not even just in intimate relationships but that initial chemistry that you have with someone where things are just clicking and you've got butterflies in your stomach and you kind of have this really weird symbiotic connection where you just don't understand how everything just kind of clicks that's something that um you don't necessarily need to even force to replicate because everyone is different so there may be something about one person that you All might right. Um, that's fair migrate um, towards what or be attracted to or whatever so ideas um, do your female friends yeah, so have about going back themselves to the boys, like if you're playing you the game change. solely just for to get your dick wet yeah and that's definitely a fuckboy tendency and then the last thing i'll say is um mm-hmm. just that narcissism like you you're just so self-indulged that you feel like it's owed to you and that you um that you know people owe you their time and emotion and energy um but yeah i would say that that's up there negative ideas that my female friends have about themselves I think, um, and I'm just kind of thinking of one person in particular. So I think that this person is, um, they almost feel lesser than. So when they see someone who they deem to be attractive or accomplished, that they don't feel like they bring enough to the table, not realizing that those things are usually that they're putting themselves on a, on a, on a comparison level with or on a standard two are usually really superficial things that don't really hold much weight mm-hmm. in the yeah. long term I, because if I you're mean, basing solely off it's, of physical it's unfortunate, appearance but, or someone's you know, accolades have been like that's all cool and dandy in the you know obsessed um, with their early stages of, of you know, getting to know someone so, but um, who is that person society really? doesn't really help like that situation of, so um the female yeah. friends that i, um, I actually interviewed with, I mean, a male makeup artist who was on the show so and much he more than just their he has never um, aesthetic or their accomplishments that i f- wish they would um, just he's put like more, all of the male models um, have lots of confidence but no female models are confident in themselves which is insanity can see where he's coming from mm-hmm. even with um, some of the women that I know who are models or you know um, are the pretty ones in their circle groups there is an insecurity still there where like even girls that I hated in the past where um, you know they get their validation from their likes and comments on Instagram in person they still like they're always checking the mirror they're always making sure that their makeup looks right or whatever just this constant insecurity these eyes are always on they have to maintain the standard Um, i can see where he's coming from because even with meeting a 
um, some of the women that I know who are models or, you know, um, are the pretty ones in their circle groups. There is an insecurity still (laughs) there where like even girls that I've dated in the past where out of all the topics um, that we talked about, which is a lot, what resonated with you the most that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode? They're always checking their mirror. They're always making sure that their makeup looks right or whatever. There's this constant insecurity. These eyes are always on and they have to maintain this standard. Um, And yeah, it's, there's something to be said about meeting a woman that is very confident in her own skin. Um, And yeah, I could see how that's something that he would notice being a makeup artist had such a long experience in the realm of online dating and um and just my um interaction in mm, that's a good one i would be interested in hearing um out there that if they've had i would be interested in hearing someone else touch on the in the topic what of expectations would be the expectations um, I think from another person because I've had such a long experience in the realm of more interested online in the dating male and, perception um, of and just my the male's perspective of expectations um, or females interaction in in terms of listening um, to women that I'd be interested to hear someone if I maybe mean, they aren't that out there that if they've had minimal interactions with women the, um, from online dating or just, just courting someone in general like what their expectations would be um, when entering why a new connection with someone, if they do have those expectations and if they don't, why? I don't and yeah, so on. I think so I, I think that would be an interesting thing to hear about. It's like, well, you entering this day, because all the power is on them in terms of really making that decision. To say that, um, this is generalizing, but like more I mean, I'd love to hear both. I, I think there's something down. to be learned from, so from hearing both sides of it. Um, I'd probably say I'm, I'm more interested in finding out the... That woman's view on things just because I feel like wanting to have I know would deter them from why my expectations are this okay. way. I think that's so interesting because I would want to know. I don't think yeah, women know I think that. I would want to know more they have from all the power. standpoint just because it's you know, like, well, I think they've just been brought up thinking that we're just going to wait and see if he's going to do something. And that's why usually, in terms of really most of the aggressive to say that types kind of get around this is generalizing but like more often than not a man is always down so i'd be more interested in finding out what kind of that expectation is from women or what what leads them to wanting to have sex or what would deter them from having sex with that person or whatever and even still it'll be a very innocent first gesture to see if they will latch on to that before I can go all in. So, um, especially now over the last like handful of years where, um, right. Well, see, that's why I would be interested in finding out because I consider myself to be very passive aggressive in the sense that like, not in the traditional sense of, you know, the passive aggression, but I, seldom ever make a first move unless it is a resounding energy that I'm feeling from that person. And even still, it'll be a very innocent first gesture to see oh, if shit. they will latch on to that before <laughs> I can go all in. Hello so, and welcome back to the um, Miss Manichan Show. Especially now, over the and last like, handful of years where... 
um, oh, things that you this thought the, might, might have been accept- wait, acceptable, like taking this the chance and going in for a kiss, are now things that you will get canceled for. Series. I've become this show, very, this very cautious anonymous to the point where I'll be interviewing I could have about a girl in my bedroom or watching a relationships movie. And just I might be getting hot. I will ask permission to remove my pants so without any assumptions or, is, um, oh, crap, you know, I'm say? not trying to insinuate anything. Okay. I will literally say... <laughs> I'm really hot. Do you mind if I take off Hello my pants? Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen show. Just so that I'm very clear and, that the control okay. is still I need to write this down. theirs and the choice yeah. to be in that environment is theirs because they can now choose to say, yeah, you can take your pants off, but right. I'm going to leave, to see. which I'll say, I'm really hot, so I got to take my pants off, so I will kindly call you an Uber right now okay. if that's the case. Or if I take my Let's pants off, the there's still no expectations, but if they then want to make a move... Okay. I'm all for it. Hello, and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Thanks for joining me for the 27th installment of the 100 Masked Men series, where I interview men from all walks of life about what masculinity means to them and interacting with women in 2020. Masked man number 27 is Mr. Transparency. We talk about intentions and getting it clear across the bat from the beginning, talk a little bit about his childhood and, you know, expectations. Welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Thanks for joining me for the 27th gifts. installment of the 100 so, Mass Men series. I'm pretty where interested in men from all walks of life about what masculinity means to them how, and interacting um, with women in 2020. Man, okay. <laughs> yeah. Alright. I'll go into, um, let's say, I'll go into Mass Man because the intro was pretty okay. Mass Man number 27 is Mr. Transparency. And just as you can tell from the title, he gets pretty transparent about his intentions very quickly on just how he navigates around relationships, his own expectations, and, you know, just about how that could be different from your expectations. And I think that's a really interesting thing to note. So without further ado, let's hear a little bit more about you. Mass Tell man me about number your childhood. 27 or do we is say Mr. That? Transparency. Uh, yeah. He gets pretty okay. transparent about his intentions what do you think? very quickly on just how he navigates around relationships, his own expectations, and, you know, just about how that could be different from your expectations. And I think that's a really interesting thing to note. 